Don't worry, folks. It's all part of the show. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and for the 128th time, I am joined by... Brendan Fitzpatrick. Yes. Brendan, are you the uh, are you the cliff or are you the uh, PV in this relationship? I think you're the PV because you do all the editing and fixing and everything of the podcast. Good, good point. I'm just, yeah. here to, I'm just here to fly around and have a good time. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll be if the anything, If anything, I'm the little kid who shows up three quarters of the way through, through the movie with no backstory and no name, but she's apparently important to Billy. And uh, then we never see her again. True. Uh, well, we see her a couple <laughs> times, yeah. Uh, but we'll get into all of that. Uh, so this week, or last week, we discussed The Aviator with uh, special guest Megan the Librarian. Yes. Rave reviews for MTL on the podcast. Rave reviews for The Aviator. Great, great episode, great podcast, had a lot of fun with Megan talking about it. Some would say, yeah. Yeah. Um, And this week, due to a Howard Hughes in a movie connection, we will be discussing uh, one of my childhood favorites, The Rocketeer from 1991, Joe Johnston's uh, movie about the flying man. And then at the end of this episode, we will pick our next movie based on suggestions sent in from the listeners and ones that we brought as your hosts. Uh, So we'll be spoiling The Rocketeer. I think that's some spoiler stuff in there so uh it's on it's on disney plus if you want to watch mm-hmm. it and uh, you can go watch it and then come back and listen to this podcast or if you want to skip ahead here we're going to be talking about next week just uh check the description and you can see the timestamp that is uh usually right so you can t- take you right to the start of the ladder discussion there but of course you should pause this podcast go watch the rocketeer and come back and listen 10 year old me is saying please please do that i love this movie <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, it is it is nost- it is a nostalgic episode of the movie. Nostalgia trips, yes, uh, and also our return to uh, superheroes. We we keep talking about every time we do a superhero movie. You know, we don't do enough superhero movies, and this was a nice trip back to before superheroes were super Marvel. You know, this well, when like- we had five episodes in between our last superhero movie. I mean, unless you consider mm-hmm. like Chaplin a superhero movie, we Ghost Rider, uh, yep. which was the nineteenth episode of this season. And this is the 24th episode of this season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, uh, this is better than Ghost Rider. I would definitely say that. I would definitely say that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to get into everything Rocketeer. But first, we're going to talk. Well, Brennan, just in general, what's up? How's it going? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Just uh, living life here. Uh, work, is, work has been crazy. Uh, yeah, th- things are good. I've been trying to, um, you know... Make sure that I get to the movies, even though I've been only watching things on Saturdays and Sundays lately. I haven't stopped down to watch movies during the week because there's been so much good TV on lately. Um, You know, it's been hard to get to movies during the week. But luckily, you know, I haven't had a lot to do over the weekends the last few weekends. So it's been good to get into uh, either get into the theater or check out a bunch of stuff on streaming for movies that I had before. Well, to be determined, if the best thing you watched this week was something you saw in the theater or uh, elsewhere, why don't you lead us off? What was the best thing you watched this week? Uh, so I wasn't... So I know last week, I believe, that um, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to pick for Criterion this week. And originally, I was going to watch Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven. Mm-hmm. And it was only streaming for free on 
Uh, I think it was Tubi, and Tubi has ads, and that Damn was really you, annoying. Tubi, yeah. And so I was like futzing around trying to figure out what I was going to watch, and then I saw your brother logged on Letterboxd that he watched something wild on Criterion, and I was like, you know what? What did he something watch? Wild, something wild fits, and it's on Criterion, and I can watch it not only for the challenge, but for my personal ladder. So I watched the 1986 Jonathan Demme three-hander with Ray Liotta, uh, was going to say Michelle Pfeiffer, Melody Griffith, and uh, Jeff Daniels, uh, Something Wild, is a wild movie. Um, I, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. It's two hours. It starts off as sort of a quirky rom-com caper where Jeff Daniels ends up going on a road trip with uh, Melody Griffith's character, and then they wind up in sort of a high school reunion style movie because mm-hmm. they go back to her high school reunion. And then for like the last hour or so, it turns into a wild crime thriller because Ray Liotta shows up and he plays her uh, recently escaped from jail husband. And it goes off the rails from there. It's really fantastic performances from all three of the leads, uh, especially Ray Liotta. This was like his first big role, and he just pops off the screen. Like, you can see why he was able to get Goodfellas in 1990 after this. Um, he's, just, he's just fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Something Wild is the best thing I watched this week. I really nice. loved it. I would recommend it. Uh, well, for like a movie recommendation ladder, it's funny because I, uh, so the reason why my brother watched something wild is because my mom's husband, my brother was back in town, uh, mm-hmm. last week, my mom's husband, we watched something, me, him, and my brother watched, um, two days in the Valley. And wow. my mom's husband was like, oh, if you like two days in the Valley, you should check out something wild. It's also got a good Jeff Daniels performance. And so my brother ended up watching, uh, watching, something wild because we watched two days in the valley and was recommendation recommended to him and now you're telling me that you watched something wild so i'm like oh this is like a big circle of it's like connections ladder, yeah yeah big yeah. yeah exactly a big like multi-person movie ladder the, maybe that's what we do next we do like the uh it's like it's hot potato <laughs> you watch a movie and then you hot potato it to somebody else and then they have to like connect to something else I like uh, that would that isn't that what megan the librarian is doing with the multiverse of ladder sort, sort of, of. But this is like each person. So like I watch a movie and then you have to watch something that connects to the movie. Like, so I watch uh, The Aviator and then you watch The Rocketeer. you're watching one movie. Right. Yeah. It doesn't. It it, it, it doesn't track. It doesn't make sense. That's just like, that's calling one of your friends and recommending a movie to them. That's not. (laughs) Right. I don't think that's anything. Yeah. I think that's It's a way that you could do. It's a way that somebody who doesn't want to watch that many movies could do a movie ladder where they just watch like one out of every five movies because they do it with five people. So I'm, I send it to you. You watch something. You send it to Megan the Librarian. She watches something. She sends it to Jeff. Jeff watches like something. And then, he, and then Jeff said, you know, whatever Jeff watched, I have to do something off of him. So it's like this big circular movie ladder where none of us are watching the same movie. So we have nothing in common. And, it's and really we, there's no way for us to talk about it. Because yeah, there's no podcast. The there's no podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's like the, the movie. I don't know. Like we're just we're just a bunch of jerks in a circle watching a movie. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, exactly. We're we're a bunch of people with a bunch of movie jetpacks strapped to our back, 
flying around with no direction and no way to control ourselves. No direction <laughs> definitely is the uh, yes. I, I'm all, always about having some sort of direction in that movie. I, I, that movie circle, the movie circle would be no direction at all. Um, all right. Well, speaking of no direction at all, what should I talk about? It's the best thing I watched this week. Oh, I'm going to talk about Dead Ringers. So I watched this as Ooh. part of Megan the Librarian's uh, Renap Movie Challenge. Um, and it's one that I've had recommended to me a lot. It's David Cronenberg's movie from 1988. Um, stars Jeremy Irons in a dual role because he's playing twin brothers. And this movie is so weird and creepy. Uh, it does not have the David Cronenberg body horror. It has a little bit, but not like what you would expect from, you know, like The Fly or Crimes of the Future that he just did um, for what I've heard Crash. But it's it just deal. It's like very mysterious and weird and it's like almost like a hitchcock movie in ways um just in the ways that these two identical twins interact with mm. other people around them they play identical twin gynecologists um ah. and but the movie does a good job of just being like weird but like the perfect amount of weird never gets too crazy it like you know i, I just watched um what did I watch? Oh, Men recently, right? Which yeah. I really love the first half of Men. And then I thought this, did you ever see it? Or I didn't just... see it yet, no. Okay, so the end of Men. Being, I keep being turned off by things people are saying about both that and Crimes of the Future, where I'm like, I don't know if I really want to see these. But um, we'll see. Men is super interesting and creepy the first mm. half and like maybe the first two thirds. And then the last part of it, it just like, it gets too, I mean, it's it's interesting, but it just gets too off the rails where I'm like, you just got like crazy for the sake of being like really crazy. Mm. And Dead Ringer never does that. It gets close to that. And then it ne- it always like just stays. Um, and, it, it, and, it, and, it, and it does a lot with like, you know, like body things in terms of like psychology within a body. Like it's just, right. uh, it's just very interesting. And then and one of the twins is named Elliot. And I, I, as I was watching, I was like, I wonder if they named Elliot from Mr. Robot after this character, because he's like, mm. there's a lot of similarities. Um, and it's Jeremy Irons gives a hell of a performance. And honestly, it's like, you can't even tell which twin he is half the time. Like you don't know which one, because they look, they look, they really are identical. Um, nice. So, yeah, I, I recommend putting this on your watch list. I don't think it's too weird for anybody that listens to the podcast. Maybe. I don't know if Jeff would like it, but yeah, everybody else, probably. I think, like, uh, yes, it's Dead Ringers. Um, okay. And, yeah, it's a, it's a good, if you're getting to some of the Cronenberg, I would definitely recommend seeing this before you see Crimes of the Future because it's got a lot of similarities. So, um, yeah, that was Dead Ringers. I had watched that for, nice. um, it was the category for the Renat movie challenge was the Olsen twins category. So you either had to watch something with the Olsen twins or with Elizabeth Olsen, which had, I know this was coming up. I could have done Dr. Strange and multiverse of madness, but I had already seen that. So I couldn't count that. And then uh, the other option was to just do a movie about twins. And I was like, Oh, I'd heard dead runners was good. And it's about twins. So yeah, um, I would watch it again too. It's, I think it's very rewatchable. So uh, I guess that means it's a four star movie. Well, too so, bad we don't have any twins in this movie. Right? Yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe Dead <laughs> Ringers one one week. That would be a fun one to discuss. Um, so, uh, also, like, well, I'll talk about it, but I had a very nostalgic follow-up movie that I watched after The Rocketeer last night. But I'll you know, I'll just talk about it here. So, um, all right, well, we're going to talk about Cliff, uh, Cliff Secord. I just forget his last name. It's I'm a bad start. name. It's a bad name to start. Terrible right. name us... for the kid. The, the Cliff should be the old guy in this movie. I agree. Not the, not the, the young, young guy. 
you need your superhero to have a um either like a Steve Rogers esque name or like a um like a Barry Allen, a Steve Rogers, a Bruce Wayne. It needs to be simple and rolls off the tongue. You know? Yeah. Um, now the Rocketeer does yeah. does is based on a comic. Um yeah. now I've never read the comic, but it uh, or I guess maybe it's a graphic novel. Um but uh yeah, no, it was a uh, first. It first appeared in 1982, and, and the character was named Cliff Secord. So right. that's, and I mean, they, obviously, they originally started develop trying to develop a movie based on it as soon as the graphic novel premiered. Um, this was in the works for a solid uh, nine years before it finally came out. Yes, um, and you know, I think like this was like as I said, I'm you know big fan of this movie. I've loved it since I was a kid. Um, mm -hmm. it's interesting watching it now because there's some stuff that like I didn't pick up on as a kid and even like the last time I watched it when I was a little bit older because I remember as a kid I just liked like the flying jetpack guy and like I mean oh, you right. know I've talked about other movies I loved as a kid like Back to the Future Part 2 was another one of my favorites like I think I loved the like hoverboard uh, jetpack like that kind of adventure action adventure mm -hmm. um, but you know then when I remember watching this when I was a little bit older maybe in college and I was like oh this movie's like the bad guys are Nazis like I didn't pick up on that and like the like allusions to Howard ha uh, Howard Hughes and like uh, old timey Hollywood and stuff that's in this, um, but then this watch as I'm watching it for the podcast and I'm like writing down stuff. There's just a lot of other like adult things in this that I'm yeah. I'm shocked that I was allowed to watch this as a child now, <laughs> uh, looking at some of this. So, uh, what about you, Brendan? What's your history with the Rocketeer? Yeah, so I remember I definitely watched it when I was a young kid in, you know, in my, I was probably, I was 11 when this came out, so I either saw it in the theater or shortly thereafter on home video in 91, 92. Um, this was right around the sweet spot of when I was really loving movies like this, but I don't know that I, it, it didn't really leave much of an imprint on me afterwards that I can recall, like, I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, go running out and see this movie five times. I don't think I ever owned it. Um, but it's a, it's a movie I always, like, whenever it comes up, I remember it fondly mm -hmm. and remember remember really enjoying it. But I've, it's one that I've never revisited since I was 11 or 12 years old. And so I was sort of trying to watch this. We talk, we've talked about it in the past with... Um, movies that we haven't watched since we were really, really young. And, and we've done a couple them, of those, at least yeah. for, for, for me, we have. Yeah. yeah, and viewing them through a certain lens, like like we did with Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead, where it's like, mm, yep, I haven't yep. watched this when I was since I was like 13 years old, and now I'm totally viewing it in a completely different way. Like, I remember nothing about the plot of this movie, mm -hmm. aside from Howard Hughes gives Billy Campbell a jetpack. And it doesn't even turn out that's true. It turns out that he got the jetpack by accident. So it's like... Right, it's yes, like, he finds the jetpack. Yeah. Uh, because there just happens to be a vacuum cleaner that is in the exact same shape as the jetpack. Exactly. Um, and it gets swapped, um, which is like a fun gag. I mean, there's a lot of like, this is just like kind of like a fun, you know, kid movie adventure. So you like, there's going to be some yep. suspension of disbelief. Um, yeah. I mean, some of, the flying, of some of the flying effects don't exactly hold up like you would um you know but that's also to be expected for a movie like this where mm -hmm. some of the special effects are you know we're still a couple of years from the really great advent of cgi in jurassic park mm -hmm. um so the the technology that they use to film a lot of the 
aerial stuff is you can see the seams sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's I, times when he's flying and it's just like a background behind him and it looks... I mean, But it's, I also it's like, kind of like it because it gives it a feel of an old-timey movie mm-hmm. that would have come out when this was during the time that this was set in. So I kind of like that because it gives it a classic movie feeling that the that the effects are that kind of shaky. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can just imagine that Cliff would be behind uh, one of the walls and just, like, lean into it and knock it over um, right, in this right, movie, exactly. the way he does. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I... Uh, I'm, I'm like you, you know, when I like have very great memories of this movie, even like last week when I was editing the podcast and I was pulling in the theme song, mm-hmm. uh, and, like the score, I was like, oh, that's like bringing back like all the nostalgia feels for me. Um, I, I love the look of this. I love the look of the Rocketeer. It's just like that iconic with that big, you know, the big chrome helmet with with the mm-hmm. rudder on top, which uh, Howard Hughes, you know, calls out that uh, the PV ads and says what, it, you know, that was the thing he was missing. Um so I really love all that. I love like the everything about this movie, just in look and feel, and like some of the so the ways that it's the period piece and the way that it pulls in that 1930s, uh, pulls in current events from the 1930s movies yep. from the 1930s. Um, but I do think like there's really not a plot. Like for a superhero movie, it's just kind of like they're trying to chase him, and yeah. like he's like he's just trying to get away and like there's it, it's not it doesn't follow like the the traditional superhero yeah. arc where we see this rise of him and um like you wouldn't spider-man right where he gets the powers mm-hmm. and then he's learning how to master the powers and then he saves the woman he loves but he has like some big battle at the end like it sort of builds up to the thing on the blimp but i do feel like it's not a ton happens plot wise in this movie. Yeah, because the he's sort of incidental to the main plot of this movie, to a large degree. Aside from having the jetpack, like mm-hmm. the real issue is between the mob and the um, Timothy Dalton character in uh, is it Vincent Sinclair? Neville Sinclair. Neville Sinclair. Um, I wrote down Vincent for some reason, but Neville Sinclair. The, no, Vincent uh, was the dog. You're right, you're right. Uh, Errol, the Errol Flynn of his day, and yeah. the uh, Paul Servino, uh, Eddie Valentine, who I kept wanting to call Eddie Valiant, um, character. And so he is sort of, you know, the he's sort of non-consequential to the plot for a large majority of it, because a lot of what happens would have happened whether he was there or not, as far as the, um, as far as that side goes, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I do like that he's able to insert himself into the plot. I really like the, um, you know, the climax in the Coconut Grove stand-in nightclub scene. Mm-hmm. Where we get the singing and the dancing, and he's trying to infiltrate, and it's sort of like a Indiana Jones slash James Bond spy kind of thing, where he's dressed as the leader. Yep. And I, I thought that was all really, really well done and really fun. Um, and yeah, the climax of this just sort of happens but like i wish there was more there there with the build-up to it i I agree and i do feel like the kind of villains it's like a little confusing all of the different groups of villains in this and it was confusing for me now you know third more than third time i've watched it but like at least like you know childhood you know uh young adulthood and then now watching it like i'm still trying to like wait wait there was so valentine's group was with who and like there's fbi agents but the fbi agents are like were the fbi agents the ones shooting up 
Right. Yeah. And were they shooting up the house? Like FBI agents, they, like, again, like, we're just getting, like, I guess it's that's... It's confusing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's guess... because they're all wearing suits and fedoras. That's why. Right. They're all, they're all white guys in suits, yes. Yeah. Uh, like, middle-aged white guys in suits. Um, so I guess that's my question. Were those FBI agents the ones, like, just recklessly shooting guns uh, all, like, at the house and... Um, you know, at, like, all these different times when there's, like, these shootouts. Like, the FBI just were just shooting people? It's between, yeah, they're they're shooting at the mob guys. The mob guys are shooting back at them. And Billy and his, you know, people are just sort of caught in the middle. Yeah. And I'm going to keep um, calling him Billy instead of Cliff. I'm, well, I'm sorry. you keep talking about Billy Campbell, and I'm like, wait, yeah. is this, like, a Melrose Place, uh, oh, right, right, right. Melrose Place podcast? Because <laughs> Billy Campbell was one of the characters on Melrose Place. That's uh, is there a Melrose Place movie? It, I mean, not that I know of. I think Andrew Shue was the name of the actor who played gotcha. Billy Campbell, I believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, also, like, I think Billy Campbell, like, there's a reason he's not in much else. Because he's fine in this, but he's, he's like, he's, very vanilla. Well, let's let's talk about that. Because he does have sort of a 1991 version of Chris Evans thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like he he is the un relatively unknown young fresh faced actor who hasn't been in a lot, but is being given this chance. And I mean, he was nobody's first choice for this role. I mean, mm. Vincent D'Onofrio wanted uh turned down this movie, um, and was originally going to be The Rocketeer. Um, oh wow! Bill Paxton said he was really really close to getting the role of Cliff. And thought that he would have been fantastic. I kind of agree. I think he I, would have been too old. At the time. But that's when I'm when I'm looking at this casting. What if for Cliff, all of these people seem like they would be too old. So we have Vincent D'Onofrio, Kevin Costner, Kurt Russell, Bill Paxton, Dennis Quaid. The only ones that seem really age appropriate are uh, Johnny Depp, who Disney wanted. Matthew mm-hmm. Modine would have been the right age at that time, and he would okay. actually probably would have been really good. Mm-hmm. And then Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Who I it, don't know that I would have liked in this part. But it would have been a very different role if it was Emilio Estevez. And um, it would have been very different if it was Johnny Depp as well. But yeah. he was very busy with Edward Scissorhands around this time, I think. Yeah. It's funny because, um, well, two things. One is that I always think of Bill Paxton. I always confuse Bill Paxton and Dennis Quaid. Always. Yes. I still Absolutely. get them confused in my mind. I'll be yep. like, wait. Which one was it? Uh, and I know Dennis Quay is no longer with us. Uh, or no, Bill Paxton is no longer with us. Oh, they're both. Okay. Yeah, they're both gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing is, is so I've been watching The Boys on Amazon, and Dennis Quaid's son, Jack Quaid, is on yes. that show. And I think Jack Quaid would make a really good Rocketeer. Um, I could totally see him yeah, as the Rocketeer. Not. He plays Huey on The, on the Boys. He's like the kind of like more innocent character on that show. Um yeah, and I mean, I like Wait. my complaints about like the the, the be, it being confusing and like the feeling like there's not a lot of plot. Like, it's just sort of one of those things where I'm like watching something from my childhood, and I'm like, yes, I get why I love this as a kid, and I'm still yeah. really entertained. I like being in this world, but I was surprised how bored I was at times watching this movie. Uh, yeah, it was a little slow. I think that they definitely could have tightened it up um, around the edges, especially. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, I don't know that we needed the five to ten minute scene where we're watching, um, uh, I'm going to keep calling him Vincent, where we're watching Sinclair on set, 
Like, we already know who he is and that he's going to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we need, like, the behind-the-scenes hubbub with him filming his role and Jennifer Connelly is a supporting actress and trying to also, like, get a bigger part. There, there's a lot of, like, filler, but then again, it also is important because we need to establish why he would be attracted to her in the first place because they work together and end up kidnapping her. So Yes. We kind of uh, and I'm, yeah, that, I'm fine with all of that. I find it all kind of actually, Yeah, I really like um, that we have Timothy Dalton as the villain because he's yeah. fresh off being James Bond for two roles. Yeah, um, it's really you know, it's just a couple years after. I never can remember if I think Living Daylights was first. Um, yes. So I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. What was, which, um, yes. Uh, so uh, uh, what, why am I blanking? What's the what's the one after Living Daylights? Uh, License to Kill. There you go. Uh, um, hold on. First, I want to apologize to Dennis Quaid. He's very much alive. <laughs> Bill Paxton is the one that's dead. See? So, it's impossible to, to Dennis Quaid. Uh, He's yes. very much alive. He lives in Houston, Texas. He oh, nice. uh, is living his best life. With his we, lo- we love you, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, uh, Yes. Now, uh, so Timothy Dalton license to kill was in 1989. So this is two years after he just wrapped up being James Bond. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, it's, it's like it's a really like reverse type for him, right? He goes from being the spy, he goes from being essentially like the rocketeer, a version of the rocketeer to being the bad guy. Well, and um, he is a spy I, with an evil plan. I mean, he true. is oh, a yeah. secret Nazi who is, has infiltrated the Hollywood film industry in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, it's so it's, that is a really interesting plot for the villain of this character of this movie Especially when you set it in Hollywood in the 1930s slash early 40s, because so this did you know that this character was based on a real life account of a real life actor? Uh, we're gonna get into connections. Not really. I mean, I kind I kind of did only I, because I'm on a group text with you and our guest from last week, but like, yes. otherwise I wouldn't I wouldn't know that. So the character of Sinclair is based on the 1980 biography of Errol Flynn that was written by, hold on, I have the name in front of me, Charles Charles Hyman, wrote a biography in 1980 about Errol Flynn, where he reported that not only was Errol Flynn a draft dodger, but he was in fact a draft dodger because at the same time he was flying across the country selling American secrets to the Nazis and being a Nazi spy. Um, There were several months and years of his life where his whereabouts were unaccounted for. Mm, And he even um, supposedly pranked, uh, Errol Flynn supposedly pranked the Hollywood studio into thinking he was dead in 1939 in a accident. Um, as some sort of weird prank that had something to do with the war. And then it turned out to be a hoax. But, um, yeah, I mean, Errol Flynn, you know, all accounts to the contrary are that Errol Flynn actually um, offered to join the FBI to some accounts, or the OSS as it was known at the time, and spy for the American government. But nobody's really been able to prove either side if he mm-hmm. had any involvement with the government at all as a spy for either side. And it certainly um, seems ridiculous to think that he was a German spy and that that would not have come out 
in the 1940s rather than being revealed in this big autobi in this big biography in 1980. Yeah, it should have been revealed like you know in a right in front of Griffith Observatory in front of all of these people in a dramatic <laughs> yes, moment. Love- we love the yeah. observatory. Yeah, we do. Uh, in in that scene, actually, where Valentine is like, "I'm an American. I'm stand up against Nazis." That right. reminded me. It was such an interesting contrast to the scene we see in Chaplin, where yes. the Nazis are, where the Nazis are kind of like, "Oh, they're just like the Nazis. They just have like different political views than us." And Chaplin was like, "No, I've stand up against the Nazis." Like, yeah. but everybody else that was there was more welcoming to them. Um, so I thought that was that was something that I I was like. That was not a connection I was expecting to uh, have. Between yeah, our, our... yeah, I, I thought that was really funny. It was like, wait, yeah, I may not, uh, I may be breaking the law here in America, but that doesn't mean that I like Nazis. Right, I'm yeah. American, damn it. I'm yeah, still I have American, standards. Damn it. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. All right. Well, what else? Uh, I think I think like actually we were talking about it and you know what you're talking about Earl Flynn as like the basis for the uh, Neville Sinclair character. Yeah, it's like a that is one of the things I like so much about this is just kind yeah. of that smart, um, the stuff that you know the kids aren't going to get, the adults are going to pick up on that stuff. Right. Maybe the the adults who know their history are going to pick up on that stuff. Um, and that does remind me of the the other movie that I watched last night. So I had the double dose of nostalgia on Disney Plus last night. So I watched yes. The Rocketeer when it was done. It wasn't late enough that I wanted to go to bed yet, so I wanted to watch something kind of light. Uh, and I had been meaning to check out the new Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers movie. Um, nice. And that's not the best thing I watched, but like watching the Rocketeer and Chippendales Rescue Rangers were like in 1990, like the early 1990s. Those were like my two of my favorite properties. Um, it was just a, a double dose of nostalgia for me last night. And, um, you know, I will recommend if you were at all a fan of the Chippendales Rescue Rangers cartoon, the new movie that is made by Akiva Schaefer and the Lonely mm-hmm. Island guys uh, and Andy Samberg. Um, and uh what is his name the john uh what is that actor's name come on help me out oh, uh john Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah, Mulaney, yes. Mulaney, Mulaney. yeah yeah sorry uh, totally blank yeah it's yeah. a really fun movie i, I enjoyed yeah it's it. it's definitely not for kids i mean it is for kids but i think like kids are not going to get very much out of it i think way more it is for the adults all the references there was just like a there's like a a mile a minute references in this movie what i would say is that it's a movie for adults with young kids to sit there and point at the screen and show their kids all the references. Yeah, so I was just understand. thinking about like some like, of our really friends fun. that have you know three and four year old kids, right. and I think that the kids are like of Chippendale Rescue Rangers are just going to be like, okay, like some of this was fun, some of the but, chase stuff was fun, but like there's so much that goes over their head. But, but it that's is kind of like what we're talking about with this movie. I mean, right, it's the exactly. same thing. Yes. It's like yeah. there's a lot that they could enjoy in Chippendale, just like there's a lot they could enjoy in this that they'll get more of, you know, once they, once they know a little bit more about pop culture and, you know, nostalgia and stuff, like yeah. they're, once they're older, they'll get more out of it. So right. I mean, like, I think like, it does. like Neville Sinclair crashing into the Hollywood sign and making yes. it from Hollywood land to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the, in Chaplin, when they were sitting at the Hollywood sign, was it Hollywood land still at that point or was it? It was Hollywood land. Yeah. yeah that that was sense. why I recommended Hollywood land after Chaplin. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I do love, like, the production design on this movie is even though there's, like, some stuff that, you know, didn't age that well, graph- like, uh, effects-wise, but just the way that the Rocketeer looks, and I know it's based on the mm-hmm. comic, but just the the suit, the leather jacket, the the rocket, the uh, yeah, he the looks like he looks like he's right out of the Silver Age of comics. Like, yes. there's a version of um, 
Oh, who am I thinking of? There's a version of The Flash that has, like, a weird helmet like that. Like, it's like if you took The Flash and combined him with, like, the old speared helmet of Hawkman Mm -hmm. from back then and, like, slapped them on. And it's a really cool... So it's a really cool design. Um, I really, really like the helmet. Yeah. And some of the other designs in this, too, the way that they capture, you know, 1930s L.A., um, They, you know, that when we're introduced to Valentine's gang and they're being chased by the FBI in the beginning of the movie, like that, that looks like that's a scene straight out of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I have Bonnie and Clyde on my suggestions list. I don't know, right, and they a lot of Dick too. Tracy too. Um, yeah, Dick a little Tracy. Cartoon yes. issue was the the mm-hmm. cars all look great. Like the cars yeah. all look vintage. I know there's probably some stuff in here that's anachronistic, but I'm sure nothing yeah. stuck out to me as being like that far off or that bad. Yeah. Uh, Dick Tracy was the year before this. So we had Batman 1989, Dick Tracy 1990, yep. and The Rocketeer 1991. There we so, go. Yeah. Um, yes, definitely, you know, if Dick Tracy was last year, Dick Tracy would definitely be the movie map to this one, I would yep. think. Um, yeah. And I do feel like, you know, just for me, uh, mm-hmm. we have talked about now four movies that were very important to me as a, as a kid. We've talked yep. about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yep. The Rocketeer, Dick Tracy, and Back to the Future. And I was thinking about it, and you did mention um, Don't Talk About Babysitter's Dead, but I don't know if we've done a lot of Brendan childhood favorites on this podcast. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a big one Raiders, I mean, yes, for yeah. everybody, obviously. Um, well, not for me, really. I mean, I liked it, but I mean, not like you. Yeah, it wasn't for you, but it was for me, but it was <laughs> for a lot of people my age. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a big one that, you know, I mean, it came out in 88, was always on repeat on HBO mm-hmm. in my house. Constantly, I mean, that was a big childhood one for me that has stayed a favorite movie of mine. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the same ones for me are the same ones for you, like Back to the Future. So Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure we were being even with uh, how many of my childhood affair, favorites yeah. we're doing and how many of your childhood favorites we're doing. And, and we did Young Frankenstein, which is a huge nostalgia hit for me because I know I talked about it back then when we did it, that it was like that movie that would some for some reason always be on uh amc whenever i was homesick from school and i would always watch young frankenstein um let's see some other design things that i liked um i really liked the 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 title reveal where they have the title on the doors and then the two guys who work at the at the um airfield like open the doors and the title like goes away you know rocketeer like follows with the doors i thought that was really cool and then there's another transition later in the movie where we get the hills in the background Mm -hmm. and it becomes the pillows um And so there's just some, like, fun flourishes that, that Joe Johnston adds um, yeah. in his direction of this movie. Yeah, I really like the, um, you know, there, there's one really good connection to last week with The Aviator where um, Cliff goes to actually meet Howard Hughes, and Howard wants the rocket back. He doesn't want to let him go mm-hmm. to, save, um, to save Jennifer Jenny. Connelly. Yeah. To save Jenny Connelly, and he takes this model of the Hercules, a.k.a. Uh, the Spruce Goose, and uses it to propel himself out of Howard Hughes' office to get away with the jetpack so that he can go rescue Jenny. And mm-hmm. Howard Hughes is like, oh, so she will fly. And I, I just thought that was like a really good, because nothing else in this movie is accurate to Howard Hughes. Mm-hmm. But that one moment where he like, realizes the Hercules can fly and so he's gonna build it is like the one thing they sort of kept that was like 
a good Easter egg for actual Howard Hughes. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I really appreciated that. So I'm going to jump. Really... I'm going to jump way yeah. to my movie map um, mm-hmm. because this ties to it. Uh, so my movie map is going to be Back to the Future for this because we have the young kid and the older yeah. inventor. Yeah. Um, you know, that are, have like a super powered vehicle, basically they're, they're doing things with, but that scene where, because he shows the Hercules can fly and inspires Howard Hughes to invent the Hercules exactly. is, I mean, there's a number of scenes like that in Back to the Future, but the one it really, uh, con- conjures up for me is, uh, it's your cousin, your cousin, Marvin Barry, that song, exactly. you, listen, you know, like in the, in inspiring Chuck Berry to, yeah, to do Johnny yeah. be good. Um, yep. so exactly. yeah. It's, it's good. It's really good. That's a good one. And I was just going to go with uh, Batman Returns just for the superhero thing, but I think the Jersey makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, we have Terry O'Quinn, uh, you know, that you and I both love John Locke and Lost. Uh, he's in this movie playing Howard Hughes. Um, and he's and, uh, also several episodes of the X-Files as well as the X-Files movie and uh, the spin-off um, Millennium. He's really good in. But yeah, he's his best work uh, that we know him for is definitely as uh, John Locke in Lost. Yeah, and uh, and someday you're gonna watch Alias, and he's also an Alias as well. Oh, okay. Yes, someday. Uh, Before he played John Locke, so you know that you know that is the main connection between these two movies, right? That we have movies about Howard Hughes, where an actor is playing Howard Hughes, um, and. In this one, it's a very, like you said, it's a very different portrayal. We're not seeing any of the kind of the dark side. We're just seeing Howard Hughes as like the, like 1930s inventor Howard Hughes. Exactly. I don't even know if we have much movie, like Howard Hughes Hollywood stuff in this movie. In fact, that or, was going to be my title connection was Inventing Howard Hughes. Oh, Inventing Howard Hughes. Um, yeah, I had, um, uh, you cooperate at my discretion, which I don't know why I wrote that down as a title connection. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. Uh, Hughes Industries or Howard Hughes Said So. Because he does say Howard Hughes said so in this movie. <laughs> uh, I like that. Inventing Howard Hughes is a good title. I, I think we, we're just yeah. going on order with our connections, but I think inventing. I'm Howard fine Hughes with is it. Good. This is fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I yeah I really really like the uh, all of the supporting performances in this. Um, Alan Arkin is really really fun as the you know goofy uncle character who's try like as trying- the doc. In this, yeah, I mean, this movie definitely feels doc. inspired by Back to the Future, right? That we have, yeah. you know, that that relationship between Kid and the uh, and the older inventor. For sure. I mean, I wish Margot Martindale was given more to do, but it's really great to see her here as mm-hmm. the uh, owner of the diner, um, Millie. She's really, really yeah. fun. Um, she gets a couple of fun facial reactions and one-liners. Um, and then you have. Um, uh, William Sanderson was somebody that I didn't realize was didn't remember who was in this movie as Skeets. And mm-hmm. William Sanderson, I most know from uh, Deadwood. OK, he's the deputy uh, and bar. He's a bar owner um, on Deadwood, and he's really, really great on that show. Um, so you see him as Skeets here in the diner scenes. He's one of the guys at the diner who holds off um and helps take down uh, uh, Sinclair's men so that Billy can escape to go try to save Jenny. Yeah. Uh, an actor that we haven't talked about, a character we haven't talked about, is uh, he's portrayed by an actor named Tiny Ron Taylor. Yes. And he is the henchman in this named Lothar. And he's this hulking monster uh, that is Neville Sinclair's henchman. 
and yes. goes and roughs up, uh, you know, one of the one of the gangsters in the hospital. That's when we're first introduced to him. But he's always lurking in the shadows. He this guy looks like a character out of Dick Tracy as well. Absolutely. Um, and you know, the, he, it's weird because if you look for him on the cast list, he's buried. He's way down, down there, but he's in yeah. so many scenes. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. I mean, he's. I would say he's probably like the fifth or sixth star of this movie. Yeah. Um, and he is huge. Um, I don't know, you know, how tall this actor really is. And like, if he had a career, if he was a football player, I mean, his name is Tiny Ron Taylor. Yeah, um, and he's in Ace Ventura. He's in Last Man Standing. He's in Naked Gun. Um, so he's been the, he's been the few things that I've seen. Um, he was in Roadhouse. Do you remember him in any of those movies though? Because not, I'm trying. I feel like he really, was probably that's the yeah. Yeah. So he's a character named Rock in Ace Ventura. I would imagine maybe that was like one of the football players on the Dolphins. Yeah. If I had to guess. Um, and he was, uh, a character named Al in Naked Gun, and I don't know, probably just some henchmen, mm-hmm. um, and I've never seen And he was definitely before. a henchman in Last Man's Canning, um, because that's yeah. a gangster pick, they're all henchmen. Um, but yeah, I, I'm surprised, because movies of this era all had sort of henchmen like this, mm-hmm. so I'm surprised that he I think wasn't in more. Right? Yeah. yeah, so I'm surprised he wasn't in more. Yeah, um... But I, I love him in this. He is he yeah, just like right. personifies like a comic book, um, you know, like a Jaws, like a character, yeah. not Jaws the shark, but Jaws speaking of Jane. And that's Bond, who I thought Jaws this was at first. The first time I saw him, I was like, wait, is that Richard Keel? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You expect him to just like bite through somebody to kill them. Or exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I do love like on the blimp that when he gets his ultimate demise that he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's hooked, his belt is hooked up and there's nothing you can do. And then the blimp explodes. Yeah. Um, so that's that's very fun. Um, the the whole blimp scene, I think, is probably like the high point of this movie. It's the thing I it's always really remember good. when I'm thinking about this movie. Um, the, you know, if we're talking about like most rewatchable scene, I think the first time that Cliff is taking the jetpack out, um, yeah. especially when he's going and saving Malcolm on, yeah. at the air show, that's very fun. But I do think like the whole blimp fight, uh, getting Lothar and then you know Neville Sinclair blowing himself up with the with the rocket pack are are really fun scenes in this movie. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I also really like him. You mentioned him at the top of the podcast. In fact, he had your opening line. Uh, John Polito as Bigelow is a really fun side character for the first part of this movie with the air show and the, you know, he's like a huckster trying to pump up the air show and the rocket and come see the amazing rocket man and yada yada. And then, mm-hmm. he's, and then he ends up getting killed by Sinclair's men because he refuses to give up Billy or Cliff and where the rocket is. And so he's, but he's really fantastic. Um, I remember him from a lot of movies in the nineties. Um, but the movie I most remember him from, do you know what it is? And this is one we've talked about before with, um, in terms of movies that were on all the time when I was a kid. Um, do you remember the movie Bushwhacked with Daniel um. Stern? Yes, I don't think I ever saw it, but I so, I so do the movie, know Bushwhacked. Yes. The movie Bushwhacked with Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern plays a criminal who ends up stuck in the middle of the woods with a group of Boy Scouts. Right. And John Polito plays the gangster who's pretending to be a cop that's hot on his trail. Mm. And so when I see him, I always remember him from that movie because he's like constant got a constant stream of flop sweat as he's trying to hike up this mountain chasing down Daniel Stern and throughout the movie. And he's really, really, like, fun in that. It's not a good movie, but he's really funny in it. 
So that's what I always think of when I see him pop up. Yeah, he's just one of those that guys like that yeah. I recognize like from a lot of the Cohen movies that he's in. Yep. Um, and his death in this scene is actually pretty gruesome for a kid's movie. Oh, it's um, awful. Because like he's, he's, he's split in half. Or yeah, he's yeah. bent in half by uh by Lothar, the you know, yep. the, the big monster, the heavy. Yep. So um yeah, he's really good in the crow. He's really good in um Barton Fink. I don't remember him being in Big Lebowski. Yeah, I don't he's either. But... Listed for Big Lebowski, but I don't mm-hmm. recall who he is. Um you would have to tell me. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember him being in there, but I'm, you know, I'm sure he was, he could have been any number of side characters that, uh, oh, right, right, meets, right. you know, along the way. Good point. So, um, yeah, and I think, like, I always think of the first flight where they put the, um, the statue, they put the jetpack on the statue and they let the, yeah. the statue go, um, and then it comes down and there's a big dent in the side of the statue's head, and they're like, oh, we need a helmet. And I always <laughs> laugh at that because I'm like, that's your takeaway? Like, yep. evil, like it's like, oh, uh, you know, somebody has it. It might be Jerry Seinfeld where it's like, if you're parachuting, like, why are you wearing a helmet when you're parachuting? If your right. parachute fails, your helmet is now wearing you. Like, exactly. it's the same type of thing. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, your your rocket pack is actually wearing you now at this point. Yep. Your helmet. For sure. Um, and then we haven't really talked much about Jennifer Connelly. No, we have not. Movie. You're right. Um, yes. And she's she's really good, honestly. I mean, she has, like, a kick-ass 1940s vibe to her, mm-hmm. where she's, like, able to stand up for herself against Sinclair and does her own little investigation in this movie, and she's the one that actually figures out that he's a Nazi, which is, you know, something that normally our lead character would get to do and not her. Um, so I, I think she's really fantastic. She looks great. Um, you know, and I like the dress they put her in for the coconut grove scene um she she's just like i think she's really good i wish she was given more to do but i like when she um, hits neville with the like mm. when she she sneaks in uh you know she's the one who knocks neville out yeah um, and like when she's boss, yeah she's taken as a as a captive but is not just like a damsel exactly distress. she's, she's not a damsel in distress yeah yeah she like lures him into the bathroom and then smashes him over the head with a vase and it's great yeah yeah you're like yeah and then she's the one who discovers that Neville is a Nazi. She exactly. finds the she finds the secret room with the radio, yeah. um, like all that stuff, like the the secret room, the costumes, like that. There's so much like fun environmental stuff in this movie that yeah. just like does feel right out of like you know a, a Silver Age comic. It's got that yeah. like fun, and that's I think what I liked so much about it as a kid. And as a kid, I was just like, oh, I like like the flying scenes. Like there's like four or five like really good flying scenes, and then just like it's a totally different world than anything I'm used to, except like Dick Tracy's the only thing that I could really, when I was younger, could compare it to. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I, both came out so, so close together. Yeah. I wish that it had a slightly better connection to like Casablanca. Like mm-hmm. this, there, there are like tonality things that remind me a lot of Casablanca, but mm-hmm. the, cause otherwise I would suggest it, but the, 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 the themes are there, but there's not enough like actual connection for me to suggest it. But mm-hmm. the vibes, like the uh, everything surrounding the plot and the secrecy of the Nazi conspiracy, reminds me a lot of stuff that happens in Casablanca. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, well, should we get into some of the listener feedback? I have a couple other things, but um, yeah. I want to save them for my. I want to save something for my one last thing. So. Absolutely. All right, scrolling down to our listener feedback, and uh, we've got Jeff, and uh, he says, uh, "Start off." Start, Jeff starts us off says, can't say this is the best superhero movie I've ever seen, but it sure mm-hmm. was a lot of fun to watch. A bit silly, but very enjoyable. I give it four stars. Nice. I agree with Jeff. There you go. Do you 
I don't know if I classify this as a superhero movie. Like you said, he is a superhero. He is a superhero. I mean, he's he's right out of like the 1930s, 40s radio version of superheroes, where it was like the Phantom and the Shadow, and some of those might be coming up in my suggestions. I was gonna say you're listening to movies that might be on my list. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's that sort of superhero where they're not like Batman or Superman. They're not saving the galaxy from you know alien invasion or criminal masterminds they're fighting gangsters and you know you know protecting the law and protecting the peace like they're they're low stakes superheroes Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's true i I, he and he's heroic i just feel like super means he's got some extra ability and i mean i guess it's sort of like batman the jetpack is his extra yeah batman's extra ability is like his wealth essentially it's gadgets yeah it's gadgets so um Right. And, um, you know, the other thing, speaking of superheroes, mm-hmm. so we haven't talked about it yet, but obviously like, Joe Johnston goes on to make other movies. But yes. the closest connection of movies that he makes to this one is that he then made Captain America, the first Avenger, which is also a superhero period piece. Might be coming up on my list. Might be coming. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure it'll be on many people's lists. Um, but I remember when I heard that he I think I heard after Captain America came out that he was the one who made it. And I was like, oh, like I put it, it together that it was the Rocketeer guy. And I was like, that makes so much sense because the yes. movies are so similar. Yeah, absolutely. Like Stanley Tucci could have played PV mm-hmm. and it would have been fine and it would have been great. Like he could have been in this movie. And we even get, I mean, like the time periods are so similar. We get, yeah, you know, the Nazi, exactly. the Nazi subplot. Like there are, I mean, um, you know, yeah. uh, Red Skull is working with the Nazis to get technology to the Nazis, which is exactly yeah. the plot of this movie. Yep. Not to sure. step all over our potential. Oh my Lord. For next week. <laughs> well, all right, let's let's see what Owen has to say. Uh, I went in with low expectations, and they were slightly exceeded. The bad. I like a lot of Disney films. The hero is just bland nothingness, devoid of any discerning or interesting characteristics, as are most of the supporting good guys. A waste of Alan Alda. Also, I just got annoyed. Get annoyed. Alan Arkin, films. not Alan Alda. They definitely I, wasted Alan Alda. I always say Adam. I always confuse the two. I always say Alan Arkin instead of Alan Alda, and it's mm-hmm. or Alan Alda instead of Alan Arkin. And yes, it was Alan Arkin. That was last week. Yeah. Last week was Alan Alda. This week was Alan Arkin. Oh, good point. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, I just get annoyed by films portraying regular Americans as taking the fight to the Nazis before a war broke out. I am also looking at you, Indiana Jones. Howard Hughes is portrayed without any of his quirkiness, a waste of a great historical character. The good, Timothy Dalton was sublime as the scenery-chewing actor, unashamedly based on Errol Flynn. Paul Servino was strong as the in-between mafia leader, and the goons were all good fun. Yes, basically, the bad guys were just more relatable, better acted, and despite their labels, easier to cheer on. Uh, Jennifer Connelly looked stunning, although it was not stretching her acting ability. The Ugly, the film built on the erroneous myth of Errol Flynn as far from a far from perfect man being a Nazi spy, rating three out of five from Owen. Um, yeah, I, I actually really like what they do with the, I mean, at least they didn't call him Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, I like that they made a fictionalized version of Errol Flynn and of Howard Hughes, two characters that appeared for us in our last movie, and sort of did different spins on what a movie can do to a real-life figure in the retelling of their story. Mm -hmm. Like, it's sort of a... 
you know, um, Howard Hughes is the perfect industrialist inventor in this movie, and the, you know, suave playboy Errol Flynn gets turned into a suave, sadistic Nazi spy. Yeah. You know, and it's... Two things that are interesting. One is, as you were talking about Howard Hughes mm. being this suave inventor, you know, very successful inventor, it does add a little bit of <clears throat> of weight to the scene that he has with PV, right? Where PV yeah. is also an inventor, and you, you, there's a whole conversation that happens before we even see them, right? Cliff opens the door; they're already talking, and they've already had this conversation going. And it that conversation you would imagine probably was loaded with them talk, just doing shop talk, inventor talk, yeah, exactly. where they're yeah. they're talking about, you know. They're talking are, about how PV was able to fix the rocket. Right. Yeah. And they're connecting the on this like yeah. professional level as two yeah. men who are who are mechanical and gadget. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, one is one is this rich, like this rich guy who's uh, has every resource available to him, and the other one is a guy who fixes things, you know, by putting gum on the back of the mm. of the rocket. So. Yeah. And I did like that that came back in the final yes. scene as being the thing that what you know let let. Uh, led to the downfall of Sinclair. I like yes. that. Yeah. Uh, I always really loved the gum thing as a kid. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was so cool. And I'm sure that, that probably led to me like sticking my gum places where I shouldn't have. Um, Gross. Yeah. So uh, we'll get back to Neville Sinclair um, in a second. I definitely get skeeved out by like chewed gum that people have stuck to things. Like it's Yeah, gross. it's gross. But as a kid, you're not. Interesting that Olin says the it's an erroneous myth of Errol Flynn. So Owen is disputing. Yeah. Owen is disputing what you said. Um, and I do love the name Neville Sinclair. Like I looked it up. I was like, was there an actual Neville Sinclair? Because it does definitely sound like the name of a guy who would make a movie star from back then. So, all right, moving on to Jim's feedback. So Jim says the Rocketeer was fine. The special effects were decent. The story was fun and the acting was okay. Three stars. There you Um, go. And his his uh, hero of the movie is Tiny Ron Taylor is Lothar. He's a that guy that is always fun to see. There you go. He's a yes. Lothar the monster. Love um, for lo- love for Lothar. I like yes. it. All right. Uh, Megan the Librarian says, while I was watching this movie, I was trying to think if there were any other films where movie stars turn out to be Nazi collaborators, and I googled something like English actor Nazi spy movie. I ended up reading an old article about the accusations against Errol Flynn, and then I spent five minutes thinking it was all true before finally going to Wikipedia and learning that the allegations had been debunked. I'm shaken. Not stirred. But other than that, I thought this movie was fun. Three stars. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot out there that you can find about the Errol Flynn thing and people saying it's true, people saying it's not true. At this point, like, it's probably a really good article on Snopes where the urban legend has been debunked. Why is it not a podcast series? Why is it not an Errol Flynn podcast series? There should be an Errol Flynn podcast series. I agree. Um, That'd be fun. But yeah, you must um, remember this or something like that. Is it... I I haven't seen it. Isn't the Hitchcock movie Notorious kind of that movie where two people from from Hollywood get sent on a spy mission, or am I conflating that with something um, else? Is it Cary Grant? A, is it Cary Grant an actor turned spy in that movie? Yeah, um, yes, but I can't remember if that was exactly. I think that it was her dad was a um, the female lead's dad, Inger Bergman's dad was a uh, was a Nazi spy, and he's going okay. undercover. 
I think Harry Grant is going undercover to get information about the Nazis. So he's not an. Uh, okay. So he's okay. Okay. Man, notorious. I believe that was it. Yeah. Ah, notorious is great. I really liked it. I've never seen clearly, it. Clearly, I'm a little bit foggy on it because uh, yeah. it's been a couple years since I've seen it. So, um, all right. Uh, then Stefan is going to round us out with our feedback. Uh, this movie is so close to being a classic mm-hmm. and not just a cult classic. The timeline is too fast. All of this happens in two days. Maybe I missed it while I was making scrambled eggs, but did Sinclair have a motive? Oh, it's because Sinclair is a Nazi. That's his motivation. Stupid Nazis. Uh, almost everything else works for me. Timothy Dalton is always fun. And Jennifer Connelly, I'll keep this PG. She was my first crush and nothing has changed. Except the Top Gun Maverick may have proved that she's the most beautiful woman to ever walk this planet. Wow. But there is one big issue here. Billy mm-hmm. Campbell's lack of charm and charisma to lead this adventure. In other hands, this could have been the 90s version of Indiana Jones or Back to the Future, which I would assume is what they're going for. Uh, Melora Harnan, Jan from The Office, was a lounge singer. Oh, that's just like one other. I didn't realize that ah, Jan from go. The Office was a lounge singer. So, yeah. uh, Stefan gives it 3.75 out of 5. Speaking of young Indiana Jones, I actually think River Phoenix would have been a really interesting choice for The Rocketeer. Yeah. No, I think I like, I don't, like, as a kid, I didn't mind uh, Billy Campbell in this role as Cliff. But he's white. It, it's I mean, he just like doesn't he doesn't carry the movie and he needs right. to at least be like batting three hundred and he's not even batting three hundred in this. I movie. would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And and if it's gonna be carried by the villain, which I mean, there's plenty of superhero movies that are carried by the villain. Um. You know, I'm like I'm thinking of uh you know maybe some of the early Batman movies for example like the mm-hmm. you know Batman Batman Returns and Michael Keaton is not like the most charismatic in those he's a little bit he's a little bit wooden but. It works because he's the straight man to the like really out there villains. And right. Neville Sinclair is is mustache twirly. Literally, he's got that mustache, but he's not. Uh, it, it's just not enough to offset the blandness that we do get from yeah uh, from Billy Campbell. I, I do. I mean, I do always like a movie within a movie, and I wish that there was more of a connection between Sinclair and uh cliff as characters mm-hmm. like i wish that i wish that cliff's character was also like a struggling young actor or yeah. something well and we do get some you know, of that right when sinclair is taking jenny out for to the club right. Right. um and is kind of pining for jenny but i think we needed a little bit more of that we just needed a little bit more like of those two interacting with each I, other I agree. yeah we do get the in like like them interacting and them not knowing that the other is their adversary, right? That, right. You know, exactly. he doesn't know that Cliff is the Rocketeer, and Cliff doesn't know that Neville Sinclair is actually behind all these henchmen who are chasing so him. You're you're asking for like a Thanksgiving dinner scene. Oh yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yes. The table yep. and, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I see where you're going. I see yeah. where you're going. I think I think this movie's missing that, and it's missing like just one or two more heroic scenes from yeah. the Rocketeer. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, like Stefan points out, this is only a couple days, but like the Rocketeer is like getting headlines. He needs to do something. He needs to save someone other than the one stunt pilot. Yeah, he needs my, to do, Malcolm. We need to see him being a superhero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There needs to be like one other person who's like in a burning building or something. Oh, and right. He flies exactly. in and saves. So you know, like something where it's like he's got you know just that we this, like basically what we see with Spider-Man, right? That we see Spider-Man yeah. become your friendly neighborhood. Like he needs to become your friendly neighborhood. Uh, especially in Hollywood where something this could be turned into like the the film reel right. that they see when they go to the movie, like that, oh, the Rocketeer is saving this person, you know, like, right, I don't exactly. know, something. We yeah. just needed a little bit more of that. And um, 
I also think like I think at one point I paused this movie and it was an hour in and we had barely seen him flying. Like we had yeah. seen one scene of him flying at the point when I paused it. Um, and it was only, there was only 45 minutes left in the movie. I'm like, we have it's a lot funny, to do. It's stuff. a weird mix of us saying we want more things, but also it to be tighter. Like it's weird because you can't you kind of can't have both. But I mean, right. Um, yeah, I think just the first the first hour needs to be condensed a little bit and then yeah. add more meat to the middle. And then the end yeah. is great. Yeah. So I think like the opening and the ending are great. And the stuff in the middle is kind of. Why don't you go ahead and give it your final score? Yeah, uh, this is a hard one. Uh, I came into this yeah. and I was like, I'm going to totally give this like a 4.5. This is one of my favorites growing up. Yeah. I think I still will give this a four um, because I think the plot is lacking and Billy Campbell is lacking. But there's so much interesting stuff, especially like what Joe Johnston does just to and the writers of this movie to tie this into actual things that happen in history, alternative history, mm-hmm. Silver Age of comics and the production design. Like it's there's so much good in this. It just needs a little bit better story. Um but, you know, and and also, like, I'm averaging 37-year-old Zach with 7-year-old Zach. And 7-year-old right. Zach gives us five stars. So, uh, you know, I might be, like, more like a three, three and a half now, but I'm averaging my two, and I'm making that a four. That's fair. And coming in, I was waffling between a four and a three and a half myself. Um, I'm, like, right around where Stefan is with this movie. I'm, like, right there vibing with his score of a 3.75. Um there's a lot to really like in here, especially like you were talking about. Like, I love a movie about movies. I love a movie mm-hmm. about old Hollywood. It's great to see, like, a different version of Howard Hughes. Um, it's really great to see, you know, I really think that the Sinclair character is a really good villain, um, especially for this age of comic book adaptation. I think I'm still out enough on Billy Campbell. <laughs> to keep this from four for me, I think I need somebody better in that role. But I, I like that it sets the tone for sort of where comic books are going to be 10 years from this point, you know. But it's it's not quite there. And it's it's a really good kids movie. It's a really good Disney superhero movie. But it's not a great movie. I think I'm going to settle on a 3.5. Yeah. Um and that's a 3.35 from the listeners, a 3.5 from me, a 4 from you. And that is going to give us a, just a second. That is going to give us a 3.61, which will be a 3.5 overall. Nice. Um, all right. Well, uh, my hero of the movie, or you get to go first, I think. Um hmm. Um, I'm going to give this to, it's, it's tough because I really want to give it to, um, Terry O'Quinn's Howard Hughes, but I actually think I'm going to give it to Jennifer Connelly. I think she is doing the best acting in this movie, um, of anyone, even including Timothy Dalton. Um, I think this is a really great role for her. Um, and it's sad that she sort of fell off in her acting career in the in the early to mid-90s after this movie, because I think she's a really fantastic actress. And Stefan's right, she's one of the most beautiful actresses in the world. Um, I, I, think she, I think she actually, like, wins the movie. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think mine has to go to somebody behind the camera. Um, yeah. 
And I think there's probably production designers that deserve more credit, but I'm just going to give it to Joe Johnston. His name is on the movie. Um, you know, this led to him doing, you know, much more successful version of this movie with Captain America, the first adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think he brings so much character to this that like, there are those movies that we talked about, like I've never seen them, but I would imagine like the phantom um, yeah. and the shadow that are also these like silver age comic book movies that don't bring the level of the level of kind of uh, detail and, and depth that this one does. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm uh, I, I would give it to Joe, not Joe Johnson. That's the basketball player, but Joe Johnston. <laughs> Joe Johnston. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into we've already talked about some connections. Um, I actually was surprised I had like very few connections. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. all the Howard Hughes stuff. Um, yeah, there's the Silver a, Age of Hollywood. We have the, yeah. the stand in for the Coconut Grove Club that we talked about. Um, yeah, that's I mean, not a, not a whole lot. Um, you know. Yeah, there's a line where um, I think I don't remember who says it. Uh, was it Neville Sinclair who says you actor? Yeah. And like is like uh, you know very insulting to actors, right. and that was like a line that was in the Aviator as well. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about um? So if you had to pick one Errol Flynn slash slash Sinclair, would you want Timothy Dalton or Jude Law? Oh, I mean, um, I think Timothy Dalton brought a lot more to this. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, but they're they're both you know sort of playing their own fictionalized versions of Errol Flynn. Um, so that's a connection there. Uh, but Jude Law also can be a really good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and then we do just have like a flying, you know, man flying. The whole like the plane crash yep. that happens in the beginning of this movie is similar. Yeah, we have lots of test flights and stuff like that. They're yeah. both test pilots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both movies open with uh, old style airplanes flying. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a flying scene. So, um I don't know if we did. We got a blimp in the Aviator. I don't think we ever did. So, uh, all right. What about other uh, connections to other movies from this year? Uh, I did not have a lot written down for this. All right, I'll start us off. Yeah. Um, So, Martindale was also in The Hours and in August, Osage County. Oh, good call. Yep. I mentioned the early Nazi scene in Chaplin, where uh, you know we do see like not pre World War II Nazis. and, you know, people say, well, I'm taking a stand against the Nazis like we have in Chaplin and then we have in, in The Rocketeer. Um, and then we have the FBI being involved. So, um, you know, we had the FBI in uh, in a couple other movies. Was it the Chaplin that we had the FBI involved in? Yeah. Um, Chaplin so, in the FBI. Yeah. Um, and while we don't get characters crossing the Atlantic in this movie, I mean, we do have like Neville Sinclair at some point cross the Atlantic. Um the we didn't even talk about the film reel um and like that film reel cartoon that we're getting that like shows like kind of the exposition of like what the nazis plan was with the jetpack uh yeah. but their yeah. plan was to cross the atlantic in the jet pla- jetpack and come the from europe over, over to america and take over america yep there you go um and we had a character in hospital as well early in this yeah movie. sure so i want to pay characters in hospitals um anything else from other movies from this year that come to mind? No, nothing's really coming to mind. I mean, obviously we have connections to the go- to Ghost Rider with the chases and the police chasing the, the superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's and I mean they're they're both stunt performers of a sort. You know, between Johnny Blaze and uh, 
Billy Campbell. Um, they're both stunt performers of a sort between the aviation and the motorcycle. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. The aviator, yeah, that's good. Aviation and motorcycle. All right. Well, what do we got for title connection? I think we already decided on one, right? So yeah, I think we went with inventing Howard Hughes. Inventing Howard Hughes, not to be confused yeah. with inventing Anna. Exactly. Um, and we talked about our movie map already. I said Back to the Future, and you said Batman yeah, Returns. Batman Returns. Yep. So, all right. We have um, one more thing. One last thing. You get to go first. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to shout out, um, you know, we talked about this with Megan in our uh, Off the Books, uh, Off the Record uh, chat earlier last night. Uh, there is a Rocketeer movie in the works that uh, apparently is going to be produced by Disney and David Oyello. Um, it first got announced in 2020. Um, not sure how long, far along in production it is, but it does appear that it's still in the works. Um, and also, if you want, if your kids watch this and they want more Rocketeer, there is a Rocketeer cartoon that aired on Disney Junior for two seasons in 2019 and 2020. So there you go. More Rocketeer content. Nice. Um, all right. Well, I was hoping Megan now give me money. Would... Now give me money, Disney. I just showed you. There you go. I was hoping Megan Librarian would uh, bring this up in hers. Mm-hmm. Um but she didn't. Um, but last week she talked a lot about, uh, she said in her tweet, she said the word tits the most in that podcast that she ever has. Uh, and this movie very much like is, uh, George Johnson is very interested in showing off Jennifer Conway's cleavage in this movie, mm-hmm. that dress that she's wearing. We have Leary, Neville Sinclair. Yep. Um, so it is kind of a connection back to the aviator. Just there's all the talk about like, who, who doesn't like tits? And, uh, right. you know, we want clouds that look like boobs. Definitely breaking the haze code in that one. Yeah, and and for a kids movie, it's like, oh, I did not realize when I was a kid, like how much there's like a focus on Jennifer Connelly's boobs in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that was my one last thing: is Jennifer Connelly's boobs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, before we move on, I did I do like to mention when this movie has come up in the past, uh, and I figured this movie had come up a ton. I'm shocked this movie. It's come is. up on the podcast, but not as an actual connection. Yes. So That's it true. came up after episode eight, which was Hot Fuzz, uh, our current mm-hmm. cover photo for our Twitter account. Uh, yeah. I think because of the Timothy Dalton connection. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And uh, let me see. I can. It was probably me who suggested it. But let's see. And back probably. to the. It came up off of Back to the Future, as well, which yeah. was episode ninety-eight. Uh, we just missed by ten. I'm sure we talked about this, but uh, ninety-eight was our Back to the Future episode. If only that was 10 episodes sooner, it could have been 88 miles per hour. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Uh, the Rocketeer was by me, off of Back to the Future, of course, and off of Hot Fuzz. Uh, Doc is loading. Uh, the Rocketeer was by me, off of Hot Fuzz as well. Nice. So, yeah, you uh, love the Rocketeer. I've been pushing us to uh, to do this movie for a while. So uh, I also have it on my top movies of 1991 list, or top movies... Since, sorry, top movies since 1991. Uh, and I made this way back in 2016, so it's definitely changed since then. But let's see where in 2016, I put Rocketeer at number 60 between Independence Day and Anchorman. Wow. All right, then. That's uh, a big list. It's a weird list because I also, I'm just looking at this. I have Jurassic Park at number 53. Why? Um, what is wrong with Way, you? way down. Uh, I have Star Wars Episode 7 at number 49. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it! Get the, get yeah. the fuck out! <laughs> uh, yeah, this this list is probably you know needs to be revisited. very. Old I, I'm sure it has been revisited. Yes. Um, 
you know, think it's revisited to the incinerator. Put a yeah, jetpack on that baby. Nothing else is super cancelable, I guess. Um, Put a jetpack on that baby and fly I away. Have, I have the movie Room at number 27 on this list, which I do <laughs> like Room, but I think I probably had just seen Room. Jurassic it. Park? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the wrong movie? And the Rise of Skywalker, or whatever the first one was, Force Awakens. Uh, I mean, the Force Awakens will move way down. Um, yeah, this don't put any stock in this. But uh, the Rocketeer was number nice. six. List, so um, I do love one, one, one last thing. I know I do this all the time. <laughs> uh, I love when Billy is trying to get away from the gangsters, and instead of flying with the rocket, he like lays on his chest and hits the rocket mm. and goes straight forward. Like it's just like a creative use of the jetpack mm. powers. There you go. So. But it would be nice if he showed any other fighting capability outside of the jetpack. That's the yeah, other thing. Yeah, it's true. He, he can like do a punch occasionally, some... but... Yeah. Yeah. But he's not very good at it. No. Well, he's he's clumsy. He knocks over the set at yeah. the Neville Sinclair set. Good point. Good so, point. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the Rocketeer. So our uh, was our overall rating is 3.66. It's going to round down to 3.5, unless we start getting a lot of feedback and saying uh, the opposite. So... Mm-hmm. And uh, let's find out what we're going to be watching next week. We have suggestions sent in by our listeners and us, your hosts, also Brock Connections. And we're going to get in. We're going to start things off with Jeff. And Jeff's first one is A Beautiful Mind for Jennifer Connelly. So uh, Jennifer Connelly is in A Beautiful Mind. That's period piece as well. Uh, his next one. So we have uh, another flying man um, in the MCU from 2008. Yep. It is not uh captain america the first avenger but he ends up being partners with captain america the first avenger that is iron man nice tony stark good choice yes. and then uh jeff uh this movie was historical right we have a lot of history in this movie um jeff might need to review his own history uh because he said oh timothy dalton's in this movie you guys should do hot fuzz timothy dalton's in hot fuzz our eighth movie of the history of this podcast was hot fuzz i believe right exactly yes uh, it was. It is still, if you click on the Movie Ladder Podcast Twitter account, it is the cover photo on that. Uh, <laughs> so we're not going to be doing Hot Fuzz next week. It's not even eligible. We're not be doing Hot Fuzz. Uh, Although it would Jeff be funny to, to refuzz. We can refuzz. Would, we could refuzz. Uh, if Jeff wants a preview into the future of what it would be, the alternate future, where we pick Hot Fuzz, Jeff's feedback says... I give Hot Fuzz a three. Good overall British comedy. Wasn't the strongest connection, but it's okay. Dragged in the middle. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. What did what did he wait? What was the movie we did before Hot Fuzz? Oh, oh good question. Um, what was our number seven movie on the ladder? What? Uh, so it wasn't Point, Point Break. Break. Was Point no, Break? No, Point Break right? was no Point Break was the was after. after. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, it would have to, it would take me a second to pull that up. Um, All right, let's let's keep going then. Yes, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up while you're uh, while you're talking. I should remember this. I'm trying. What, what did we do? So we did uh, we did Fargo. We did Reservoir Dogs. We did yeah. um, we did Taking the Pelham. We did Sliding Doors. We did from Sliding Doors. I think it's the one between Sliding Doors and. Um, and Hot Fuzz is the one. The that Full I'm Monty. Seeing. The Full Monty. Was that what we did the week before Hot Fuzz? It is, and it's one of our most forgettable episodes. So there Clearly. we go. Clearly. Clearly. Uh, that makes sense to me. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was the Full Monty, so now, I, now I'm now i okay that we don't remember. 
Yeah. Um, that is funny that we did we did the full Monty. What did we do? How did we get to the full Monty? You suggested hot fuzz off of the full Monty. Great question. Yeah. Um, no, just why did, oh, we did Groundhog Day. That's right. We did Groundhog Day after Sliding Doors, Magic Mike, XXL, the full Monty, and then hot fuzz. Um, yeah. Yeah, there we go. That that took us a while to get there. I just had to do a little look. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes, Jeff, we're not doing Hot Fuzz next week, but you gave it a three. Um, all right. We're going on to Olin. Olin has, from 1938, the same year this movie took place, The Adventures of Robin Hood. Timothy Dalton was obviously based on him, and this was the basically the film they were shooting. Great mm-hmm. fun, beautiful, colorful action adventure movie. I'm assuming this this stars Earl Flynn. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Earl Flynn's Robin Hood. Yep, 1938. So. All right. Uh, Patton from 1970, a proper film about Americans taking the fight to the Nazis. Labyrinth is his next suggestion. Jennifer Connelly in an adventure film where she faces peril. Have some plot links, uh, but maybe spoilery. Also a film. uh, The film was a flop on release targeted at the child slash family market. Loved Labyrinth. Still love Labyrinth. It holds up. It's fun. Labyrinth is very fun to me. Uh, Jim, The Right Stuff. The Right Stuff follows test pilots and early astronauts, which ties in nicely with The Rocketeer. Also, there are 15 actor and crew in common between The Rocketeer and The Right Stuff, including Daryl Hendricks, uh, who played a G-Man in The Rocketeer, uh, and The Right Stuff is streaming on HBO Max. The Right Stuff was on my list. It was one I was going to suggest. Really? Nice. Good job, Jim. All right, Megan the Librarian, The Dawn Patrol from 1938. Earl Flynn plays a World War One fighter pilot in this film, released the same year as The Rocketeer is set. So we have another 1938 Earl Flynn movie. Uh, and Glorious Bastards, Nazis and film stars, lots of fire. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, also also on the list. All right. And then uh, we have uh, Argo. Alan Arkin is in this movie where movies yep. are used as a cover for spy operations from 2012. There you go. Both. Good very, very good suggestions. Very good connection. Stefan has Blood Diamond. Uh, what's the connection to Blood Diamond? I don't know. I've never uh, seen Blood Diamond, so I am <laughs> unclear. Uh, did Joe Johnston direct Blood Diamond? I doubt I it. I don't think so, no. Um, did he? No. Uh, we're going to have to do No, he did not do Blood Diamond. Um, let's do a little. <laughs> Joe Johnston also looks nothing like. Oh, is Jennifer Connelly in Blood Diamond? That might be what it is. Jennifer uh, Connelly. Maybe. I don't remember. I mean, Leo's in it. Uh, yes, Jennifer Connelly's in it. Jennifer Connelly's in it. So there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, nice. Another Leo movie. Uh, his next suggestion is A Beautiful Mind. Jennifer Connelly's in that. Mm-hmm. And Hulk. Jennifer Connelly's in that. Okay. So that would be his connections. Uh, and then his next suggestion, uh, one that I had on my list, but I wasn't going to suggest, but he has. I was going to suggest it. <laughs> yes. Well, Top Gun Maverick. There is a ton of connections between this movie so and Top Gun Maverick. Connections. Yeah. I was going to uh, connect it. Yes. I was going to do so, it. Uh, we have Jennifer Connelly in both, uh, playing the yes. love interest. But the guy who plays Wooly, uh, actor James Handy, plays the bartender in uh, like the, yeah. the guy who owns the bar in Top Gun Maverick. And we have, like, crazy flying and stuff like that. Exactly. Yep. So. Maverick is a test pilot. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. I really love to talk to Maverick. I would love to do it for the podcast, but I get that we don't want to do that. So. Yeah. Um. That's fine. Required. They're required in oh. movie theater. Maybe yeah. in, I, I'm hoping that by movie ladder season four, we'll, we won't have to worry about like doing the required movie theater yeah. thing, and maybe people will, we can work a little bit more around that. But I, I get it. Um, um, well, so. I get to go first with my suggestions. Oh yeah, right. that's all the listen. That's all the listener suggestions. Yeah, that is it for listener suggestions. Um, 
So the first one I'm going to suggest, I'm not going to suggest Iron Man 2, but I am going to suggest Iron Man 3. Uh, there is a, uh, Ben Kingsley plays the Mandarin, who also is, spoiler alert, a actor. Um, and they're trying to bring down Iron Man. I think it's a pretty good connection to this one. Um, also, uh, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. I, I had that on my list. Yep. Yeah, is a movie that's very much on the same vibe of this. It's a radio style um, superhero movie set during a war. Um, and then, of course, Captain America, the first Avenger. I am going to suggest because nobody else did and I can't do Top Gun Maverick. So throw Captain America, the first Avenger on there for me. Um, I think that's the most natural connection. That's and the best then sure. it is the best connection. Um, the fourth suggestion, another Joe Johnston film, October Sky. And then between the shadow and the phantom, I think it would actually be more fun to do The Phantom starring Billy Zane, a movie I've never seen. Um, another, and it's also a, a yeah. Billy in the lead role. Yeah, another Billy. Billy the hero. Um, so there we go. Uh, those are going to be my suggestions for this week. But I have a lot of also rants. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go go ahead? All right. Um, all right. So the first one, uh, Paul Sorvino in a yep. movie with gangsters and and a big restaurant where things happen. Uh, so Goodfellas is my first one. It was one. on my list as an also ran. I wasn't going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't have very many, like, movies I haven't seen um, right. on this list. I was kind of annoyed by that. Um, so let's see. My next one. Um, so this is a movie you just watched, a uh, period piece uh, about a flying iron uh, object that's like that Silver Age flying. of Superheroes. Yeah, uh, a flying <laughs> iron giant, if you will. Uh, yes, yes, the iron giant. Yeah, uh, the iron giant. Um, so then we can get all of those Iron Man connections in, in two there weeks. You go. Um, okay, uh, the next one is one that I've wanted to revisit on this podcast. Very different than this movie, um, but we do have kind of a, like, you know, taking place in the desert, um, mm-hmm. a found treasure that leads to a hunt uh, that's led by a giant monster villain. Uh, do you know where I'm going with this? Mummy. No, no country for old men. Oh, good job. Yeah. So I have that one. Um, let's see. I have next. Um, I have so many that I'm trying to like think of what I want to use as some of these. Um, let's go Princess Bride. Um, all the scenes of the the Robin Hood esque movie that they were making. I guess Robin Hood is probably a better version of this type of connection. But um, we also have the giant in there. We have Andre the giant. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny and the giant. Yep. Yeah. Um, and like the 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 Neville Sinclair character, very similar to um, uh, Carrie Always' Carrie character. And yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, so that's four. So I'll pick one more. Um, have you seen Tinker Ta- Taylor Soldier Spy? I have. Yep. Okay. I couldn't remember if that was one you hadn't seen or not. Um, let's go with the Three Musketeers. Um, nice. Yeah. All for one, one for all. What'd you say? The yeah, the Disney, Disney one. one. Yeah. Um, I, like I think that the Disney, Disney one. one. The one with like Emilio Estevez or Charlie Sheen or whoever. Emilio Estevez, but yeah. Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the 1993 one. Uh, yep. Yes. I mean, uh, Chris O'Donnell know. plays D'Artagnan. This, this is some ridiculous hair on these guys. Chris O'Donnell uh, could have been an okay uh, The Rocketeer. 
Yes, definitely. I mean, he's he's kind of boring as well, but yes, he could have been. He's Fair basically enough. the same as Billy Campbell. Yeah, he would have been the same as Billy I hope Billy Campbell never listens to this podcast. I would feel Poor like guy. That. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, all right. What do you got what for honorable got? mentions? Uh, so, Red Rocket. I, I thought of a couple of things based on uh, rocket names. So, we have Bottle Rocket, Red Rocket. Um, also, I thought about suggesting The Living Daylights. Um, there's also a Doctor Who movie with Timothy Dalton called Doctor Who, The End of Time. I thought about suggesting that, but I didn't know if it was a strong enough connection, but it would have been fun. Um, uh, Iron Man 3 we is on my list. Um, what else do I got? I can go on mine. Yeah, go go for yours. Uh, Blow the Man Down from Margot Martindale. Um, ah, I did think Gattaca, about that. Uh, The Shadow, The Rock, um, Rocket Man, obviously. Yeah, what else you got? All right, I have The Untouchables, uh, oh. 1930s Gangsters. Yep. Um, there you go. The Mask of Zorro, which is a, an adventure movie I'd like to see. I almost... Yep. Should I swap that with The Three Musketeers? It's kind of I the think same you idea. Let's all right. Mask of Zorro instead of Rocketeer. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't think it's getting picked, but yeah. yeah. I guess <laughs> The Musketeers kind of has like a, you know, Rocketeer. It's got that ear thing, but it's yeah. okay. All right. Ears. Mask of Zorro now in contention. Switching. There you go. Um, Green for Danger. Uh, okay. the, like, it's about Nazi air raids. It's come up a couple right. times on this podcast. Uh, Superman Returns, if you believe a man can fly. I thought um, about Superman Returns as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Take Your Taylor Soldier Spy. And then mm-hmm. I had uh, Wings of Honor slash Neville Sinclair slash James Cagney movie, because those were all like... James Cagney is an actual actor, Neville Sinclair is not. Uh, and Wings yeah. of Honor was a movie that they were going to go see. I think that was the one Billy, or that was the one that Cliff wanted to see, but Jenny wanted to go to a James Cagney movie instead. Yeah, there you go. And then Scott Captain and Top Gun Maverick, which we already yep. brought up. All right, let's read through the nominee score this week, and I will take it from the top. Beautiful Mind, Iron Man, The Adventures of Robin Hood, Patton, Labyrinth, The Right Stuff, The Dawn, the Dawn Patrol, Inglorious Bastards, Argo, Blood Diamond, A Beautiful Mind, Hulk, Top Gun Maverick, Iron Man 3, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Captain America, The First Adventure, October Sky, The Phantom, Goodfellas, The Iron Giant, No Country for Old Men, The Princess Bride, and The Mask of Zorro. Zach, you get to go first. Um, what if I was like Blood Diamond after we spent five minutes <laughs> trying to what was the connection? Oh with God. <laughs> uh, oh, I, all right. Um, Megan Librarian's picks are both sticking out to me. Or her I know. more recent ones. Um. Although the right stuff is interesting. I've wanted to see that. I like all the connections mm. between this and the right stuff. Um, really great cast. Yeah. Speaking, of, Dennis, speaking of our, the great Dennis Quaid. Oh, is Dennis Quaid in the right stuff? I think it's Dennis Quaid. Wait, I might be mixing it. Or is it, is it Bill Paxton? It's Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, it's Jeff. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah. Olin's got a couple good picks as well that I'm thinking of. Um, I mean, I got to go hot fuzz, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to go hot fuzz. We got to refuzz, man. Uh, but... Inglorious, inglorious bastards. It is. It was gonna be my list under pick too. Yeah. Inglorious bastards has come up a lot. Um, it has. It has. It's actually a pretty good. Well, it came up after Chaplin, and it came up after The Aviator, I believe. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a good connection to both. It's a good connection to this. Um, I will go ahead with my listener pick as well then. And why don't we make it really, really hard on you? And I was going to suggest it anyway before I saw Jim write in. I will do the right stuff as my listener pick. You've got the right stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Like, new one for you is the right stuff. No, I've seen, seen it a couple of times. I love it. Okay. Yeah, it's great. All about the space race. All right. So now I get to pick off of your yep. pick. Um, that's interesting. When I look up the right stuff, one of the lists that comes up on Letterboxd is movies that directly reference the right stuff's test flight scenes, and mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick is the first one on that list. Yep, for sure. Um, the Aviator as well. Uh, yeah, it has Top Gun, First Man, Interstellar, and Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. just to give people a, a preview of movies they can pick for next week. All right. Now you get to pick off your list, and I got to pull your list back up. So we've got Iron Man, three, Sky Captain, Sky Captain. Captain America, First Avenger, October Sky, and The Phantom. Um, I mean, yeah. I just think, like, Captain America, First Avenger, like, I don't know if we'll necessarily do it next week, but I just think it's it's such a rock-solid connection to this movie. It really is. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Captain America, the First Avenger. We could do this all day. Um, And I like everything on your list, the Iron Giant. Thank you freaking fantastic um mm-hmm. i don't know that the no country connection is strong enough even though oh, it's great i think my... it's def. I, I will defend that i think it's a great connection it's one of my favorite best pictures i mean it's a, it's a nominees it's a great great movie um princess bride is a classic uh mask of zorro i've only seen the once but i would like to revisit it's a really good um radio radio superhero Mm-hmm. Um, Zorro as well as the TV superhero. Um, Goodfellas for Paul Sorvino playing a gangster is also really great. Um, I think for yours, I'm feeling the mask of Zorro as being the strongest connection to the Rocketeer, just based on the swashbuckling and the superhero and the the, the radio style hero and yeah. Mm-hmm. And the mask, I mean, the mask of Zorro, the mask he wears in that is, yeah. Yep. Um, and I feel like there's like a weird, like a, not a weird, but like a Joe Johnston did this movie and he did Captain America, the first Avenger. So he did yeah. like a kind of like smaller, like this type of movie. And then he did a bigger franchise. Martin Campbell did the mask of Zorro. And then he's done a bunch of James Bond movies. Also, we had, yep. of course, Timothy yep. Dalton as James Bond. All right. So we have our final four of Inglorious Bastards, the right yes. stuff. Captain America, the first Avenger, and the mask of Zorro. Zach, how you feeling? Um, so just to are, give you some streamability, yeah. so Inglorious Bastards is not streaming anywhere. It's uh, you're gonna have to rent it. Um, it has like TNT streaming, but it's gonna have ads probably. As Jim said, the right stuff is on HBO Max. Captain America, the first Avengers, on of course is on Disney Plus. So if you have Disney Plus, you can. I mean, if you watch Disney Plus already, you can watch it. And then Mask of Zorro also not streaming anywhere, but it's a little bit cheaper to rent than Inglorious Bastards. Um, my only hold up with the go for it. Okay, yes, go ahead. You go. No, you. you sorry, go. you're you're cutting in and out. Go ahead. All right, my only. Oh, I wasn't cutting in and out. I was interrupting you. Um, my only hesitation with the right stuff is that it's 193 minutes, so it's over mm. three hours long. So it's a little bit of a lift for people to do in a week um although i want to watch it and it's people like it um except i'm the librarian and only gave it three stars um but that's i mean that's not the only consideration i mean glorious bastards is also pretty long it is um Cap- captain america's over two hours yep. all these movies are over two hours so all these movies yep. are a little bit longer what, what what i would say is i think that it depends on what you're in the mood for as far as super serious or super fun and the right stuff 
has a good mix of both where it's very serious because it's all about, you know, these people putting their lives on the line to try to make it to space. But it's got a lot of humor and a lot of heart. Captain America, the first Avenger, of course, is a classic superhero movie, um, you know, that you and I, I think, both really, really love. Um, and Glorious Bastards is a movie I've been wanting to revisit for a couple of years now since I yeah, me too. last saw it. And I think it is a really great connection to this. Um, so I'm good with any of those. I would I would take out The Mask of Zorro as the weakest of the four. Um, yeah, that's fair. And narrow um, down to those three. And I would take out Captain America because it's the strongest of the four, but it also kind of feels like we're watching the same movie again. Um, and yeah, I think that's fair as well. And I also think that if you want a really great Captain America First Avenger podcast, you know, Kevin and Kevin and Josh did a really fantastic job breaking down all the superhero movies a couple of years ago in uh, in the MCU in the lead up to um, Endgame. And they, they did a fantastic job with Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, highly recommend people listen to that podcast. All right. So we're down to the listener picks between Inglorious Bastards and the right stuff. Um, I also have been wanting to rewatch Inglorious Bastards a lot, but I sort of feel like I've never seen the right stuff. And I, it's... It's, it's come, come up lunch. Um, Glorious Bastards and the Right Stuff have both come up as at least an honorable mention the last three weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we should do the right stuff. Um, I, I know it's a little bit longer. So hopefully, you know, maybe people can break it. You know, it's not that long. It's you know a little over three hours. So, um, you know, maybe people can break it into a couple weeks. I do think like it it looks interesting. I, I love NASA and space program stuff. I've heard for all mankind is a really good show. I yep. haven't gotten to it yet. And for all mankind is actually coming back. Uh, I think this week, um, I know Av, our former co-host loves, uh, especially the second season of for all mankind. So yeah, a um, lot of people are saying it's really great. I, I haven't checked any of it out. But is there anybody who's doing a for all mankind podcast that we could invite on post show recaps that we can invite on for the right stuff? Great question. Uh, not at this time. No. Well, if we got any space experts, um, as as and uh, there's a fun, I already have a connection from off of this. For um, the teams, yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, when did uh, when did we land on the moon? Was that July something? 1969, bro. Nice. But what what month? It was July. We're almost to the so July 19, yeah uh, July 1969 um, was the first the moon landing. July 20th 1969. So we're yep. We're like that. We're almost there. Yep. Yeah, we're almost to July 20th. So I like it. Um, this will be the June 20th, June 21st podcast that we're doing next week. All so right. we are doing the right stuff. We're going to find out who's got it. Um, and yeah, we're going to check out the space program. So uh, thank you for Jim Crumley for that recommendation. Um, point for Jim, point for the listeners this week. Um, yep. All right. Uh, Brennan, what do you, besides the right stuff, what do you plan to watch this week? Uh, so, yeah, the Obi-Wan Kenobi Shobi uh, has episode five tomorrow morning. Really excited for that. Um, other than that, I have uh, really been enjoying and loving, actually, Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, episode seven will drop on Thursday. And if you also have checked out or haven't checked out Star Trek Strange New Worlds, um, I got together with Mike Bloom on Post Show Recaps and did a podcast all about why people should be watching uh, Strange New Worlds on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, the first half hour or so is all spoiler-free, 
all primer and pump up of why people should be watching this show and how excited we are about it. And then for the last hour or so of the podcast, we go and do a deep dive on the first six episodes and the things we're really, really loving about the show. Um, so hope people will check that out. And that podcast is already out on Post Show Recaps? Yep, yep, that dropped this morning on Post Show Recaps. So nice. I hope people will check it out. Check that. Check Brennan out on that. Yep, Trek uh, Brennan uh, out. Yeah, oh, there you go. Trek Brendan out. Uh, for me, what am I going to watch this week? Um, I don't know. I'm going to watch something tonight. Uh, and I thought I knew, yeah. and I'm forgetting. Um, but I finished the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book. So I will be I will be uh, watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at some point in the next couple um, weeks, uh, days, weeks. Um, but I thought there was something else I was going to watch. I don't remember what it is. So mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd. You'll see what I watched this week. This is my... <laughs> My suggestion. Um, and we are doing the right stuff next week. Again, plan a little ahead of time because it's not one that uh, might take you two sessions on the treadmill uh, or in the okay weight room. It's okay to take a break. And there you go. Is there a good, like, uh, I don't know. You it might, is I don't Dennis Quaid. Yay. Oh, it is Dennis Quaid. Oh, nice. Dennis is Quaid. there is there a good, um, like, stopping point in the middle of this where somebody could watch the first half and then pick up the second half later? Um, There is, but it would be a spoiler if they haven't seen it. Okay. So you can watch it until don't feel it. It, yeah, yeah, until you get to this point, and then you can uh, – all right. So there's that option. Uh, great. All right. Well, next week we'll see everybody. We're going to space next week. Yep. Right stuff. Three, two, one, blast off. Well, we've got some uh, Rocketeer reviews, Brendan. Oh, no. Do we have any? Well, Matt Singer, who's a great follow on Letterboxd. So yes. Matt Singer, ha- late of the uh, film squatting SVU and uh, Screen Crush, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, that's a hell of a piece of chewing gum, is what Matt Indeed. Singer says. There you go. Yeah. Um, Do you think it was other. Orbit? Uh, no, it was, uh, they, they showed it. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I it know was, the, yeah, I know yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we have uh, the we have like the meme of like the handshaking, and it's the mob, right, right. the FBI handshake meme fighting Nazis. <laughs> yep, exactly. And uh, honestly, Ernest, the Rocketeer is the kind of innocent, pristine, warm adventure that takes place in a picture perfect, dualistic America. Out of work pilot Cliff Secret lives in Los Angeles, but his world rather resembles a Smallville type town with diners and a friendly crowd that rallies behind him unconditionally his girlfriend jenny an actress belongs to hollywood when he stumbles upon a jetpack he finds himself entering her world of fame and uh, a conflict larger than anyone could have imagined both the fbi and nazis are on the tail but all cliff wants to do is fly and be with his girl he becomes a hero by staying true to himself um all right there's two more paragraphs in this that that was a longer review than i thought uh so good job maria maria um and uh, we'll close this out with Joe Lynch. So glad this movie holds up, as I yes. loved it as a kid, but always saw it as an Indiana Jones ripoff. Today, it seems <laughs> to hold its own as a great old-fashioned swashbuckler in the pre-CG days, but the effects still look great. Best special effects? Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. 